Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Revolt Black News, presented by State Farm. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. We got a lot of work to do. The work ain't finished. A community mobilizing as the Ahmaud Arbery trial gets underway. We're here to select the jury to finally get justice for Ahmaud. The complicated jury selection and how will this trial impact the conversation about race in Georgia and across the country? The case is really just uncovering a generation of, of violence and traumatic uh, vigilante terror. Then, Haiti in crisis. American missionaries snatched at the hands of gangsters as all of the world watches. In a country hit so hard, why such chaos and desperation? And exactly what's next? The kidnappers, they are not scared. They kidnap people right in front of you. So it's pretty scary, it's pretty complicated. Plus, our black and brown sisters are advocating for their health. What they're saying about their fight to beat breast cancer, especially in these pandemic times. I'm playing an actual person that is part of our history. And Jay-Z's hustler skills make a harder-they-fall Hollywood splash. We've got all of that and much more tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. Welcome to Revolt Black News Weekly. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. Now, we begin with the trial of three South Georgia men accused of shooting and killing 25-year-old Ahmaud Arbery. Now, jury selection is underway in this case, and it's likely to stir necessary conversations about race relations, and not only in the South, but across America. Listen, the legal system is once again under necessary scrutiny to guarantee a fair trial and a jury, as there's public outcry for justice, and it's loud and clear. It's all about this trial coming together, get, doing the right thing. It's just about him getting justice for what they did. We got a lot of work to do. The work ain't finished. A mobilization to seek justice for Ahmaud Arbery. The world's eyes will be watching as this trial gets underway. We're here to select the jury to, to finally get justice for Ahmaud. Wanda Cooper Jones. Ahmad's mother telling CBS this morning her concern is the process of a fair and impartial jury. Being that the jurors will be picked from this community, um, there has been lots of miscommunications in the, in the beginning on what happened on that day, but I'm hopefully that we'll get the right people in the right place to make the right decision. It's a case that's been getting national attention for more than a year, and the uproar is largely because the defendants were not arrested until months after the shooting and killing when a viral video was eventually released. I do think that Ahmad was murdered because he was black. Um, he was jogging through a predominantly white neighborhood and he was targeted. Gregory and Travis McMichael, a father and son, and William Bryan, they're all facing state charges, including murder, false imprisonment, and aggravated assault. In February of 2020, Aubrey was running on the street in this South Georgia neighborhood where the defendants then chased him in their trucks. Everyone that, that, that has watched the video simply says that Ahmad was not doing anything wrong. Ahmad was approached. Ahmad had the choice to either fight. Um, he, first he ran and then he had no option but, but to fight. And, and, and unfortunately Ahmad was killed in the midst of that fight. 
the case in the murder of Ahmaud Aubrey rather um, is, is really just uncovering a generation of, of violence and traumatic uh, vigilante terror. That from Reverend James Woodall, the former Georgia state president of the NAACP. Our hope is that due process happens and that there is a trying of facts um, and then the jury and the judge and the court ultimately decides what happens. We don't really uh, find any hope or any peace or any joy in criminal convictions, again, because the criminal legal system, it's inherently unjust. As all eyes are on this case playing out in court, can there be a fair and impartial jury? And what impact will this case make on race relations in America? I love that town, but it just need a lot of changes need to come about here. Former prosecutor Bernada Villanova. She says that legally this case has been at the center of change. What will be interesting is their strategy. What I will keep an eye out for, because the parties are saying that they acted out of self-defense as well as making a citizen's arrest, who's going to testify? Which one is going to testify? Are all three going to testify? So that's what I'm going to be looking out for doing the trial. Joining me now with more perspective, Atlanta attorney Gerald Griggs, also trial attorney and former prosecutor Sue Ann Robinson, and civil rights activist Marcus Coleman. Thank you all for being with me. All right, we're going to start with jury selection. Sue Ann, I want to start with you, uh, particularly as it relates to voir dire, of course, we know as jury selection. Now, this particular community in Georgia, not exactly the most racially diverse, it's Glenn County. It's got about 85,000 residents, and if we break that down by race, about 60% uh, are white. We've got 27% that are black and about 7% that are Latino. How do you anticipate this jury selection process to go? I anticipate that the jury selection process in a post-George Floyd, Derek Chauvin verdict environment will go okay. I think it's a situation where we're allowed to say the quiet parts out loud now in voir dire, mm. and there isn't an expectation that awareness of social justice issues and even to some extent participation in some social justice issues prevents you from being a fair and impartial juror. Widening the pool mm. was done specifically to give them a broader pool to choose from. So hopefully that helps. So, Gerald, there was a report uh, that the website of Georgia's uh, Glenn County Superior Court accidentally made that, that they suppressed evidence and documents, uh, which include details, of course, of this Ahmaud Arbery mental health, uh, and both of which had been ruled by a judge as inadmissible. We know that. Uh, yet that was, you know, published and made uh, potentially accessible to some jurors. How will that affect this case? that will have any effect on this case. Judge Wamsley has been uh, very keen on making sure that people don't have extraneous information about this case. So he's probably given uh, iterative instruction uh, during the course of individual during the full voir dire so he can make sure that if anybody saw any extraneous information that they would report that. Uh, so I don't think that that will have a grave impact on the selection of the jury. Indeed. Now, Marcus, let me ask you this. Uh, unfortunately and heartbreakingly, we've all seen that tape in which this brother is shot and killed. Have there been any changes um, in terms of social media and the public's ability to demand justice in these types of cases uh, because these types of video are available to the public? We definitely are living back in the days of uh, 
of Dr. King or El Haj Malik El Shabazz, who organized thousands without cell phones and laptops. But social justice provides us with a very unique uh, uh, ability of mass mobilization, uh, of mass uh, relaying of information. Uh, we have several cases where video does not result in, in, in convictions. Now, Sue Ann, is, you know, citizens watch this case unfold. Uh, you know, the jury selection part is, you know, a very critical, important part of it, we know. But after that, we'll hear opening arguments and we'll start to see witnesses called. What would you advise uh, concerned citizens to, to just kind of watch out for and observe as we see this, uh, you know, this case unfold? I think it's so important that be in this environment that we're able to discuss citizens' arrest statutes out loud and what their origin was, which were the slave codes and controlling an enslaved population. And I think as we are all made more aware, I think we all will become more outraged and that will drive change. I just, I, I, I just want to push back just slightly. I don't necessarily uh, favor the abolishing of the citizen's arrest, but out of respect for uh, uh, our Barry and his family and many of my colleagues, the reason I say this, uh, one has the right to protect themselves. If I see someone that is uh, molesting, raping, harming uh, a little girl uh, in front of my home, you best believe I'm not going to wait on law enforcement. I find it ironic that the governor decides to uh, uh, reverse the citizen's uh, arrest statute, knowing again out of respect with the family, but gun sales are through the roof through African, for African-Americans, especially sisters. Uh, gun clubs are being organized. I mean, there is a modern-day reconstruction era that we're in. So some of these things that are on the books that were meant to hurt us, if we executed them and they were applied correctly, uh, there could be a target. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. They're pointed in a different direction. So I'm just a little bit more cynical sometimes with why we're having these reversals in the name and the blood of our slain loved ones and children. Whenever people uh, have this conversation with me, I always say just reverse everybody's color in a mod situation. It's never applied equally. It never can be because it didn't start in an equal way. There has to be something else to protect us other than citizens arrest because it's never gonna, it's not gonna apply to us. I can tell you I'm a trial attorney. I work in criminal defense. I've tried tons of times to assert self-defense, citizens arrest, 
for black defendants, it does not work in the current paradigm we have. Citizens arrest never applied in this case. Self-defense doesn't apply in this case. What Travis and Gregory McMichael did to an unarmed jogger by the name of Ahmaud Arbery is a criminal offense in this state. We are hopeful that the jury will see that as well because Georgia's law is clear. You cannot hide, period, and shoot them when they're unarmed. No question. Again, Sue Ann, Marcus, and Gerald, thank you all so much for your time. You. Now listen, when we come back, thank absolutely, we've got a lot more Revolt Black News Weekly. Coming up, we've got Haiti in crisis, the global reaction after a gang-style kidnapping. Also, another dark veil over a country that has already been in so much trouble. Then, how are black women reclaiming our health in the fight against breast cancer? We've got all of that and much more ahead on Revolt Black News Weekly continues. The kidnappers, they are not scared. They kidnap people right in front of you. They kidnap people during traffic. They kidnap people in front of the houses. So it's pretty scary. It's pretty complicated. Now that was the first-hand account of the unsafe conditions in Haiti from freelance journalist Andy Tiber from inside of his home. Welcome back, everybody. Now, Andy's account comes on the heels of the 17 U.S. and Canadian missionaries who were reportedly kidnapped 12 of which were adults and five children. Now, officials are saying it was the 400 Mawuza gang that kidnapped the missionaries and that they want $17 million in ransom, one million per release. Now, the question we ask is how much power do these gangs have in Haiti and how long have the kidnappings been happening? Joining me is Haitian journalist, philanthropist, and radio host, Karel Pedra. Welcome to the show. Carell, can you kind of help us figure out and dissect exactly what some of the motives might be from some of the takeovers by the gangs like uh, 400 Mawoza? All right, uh, Ebony, what you need to understand is just like there's no really big motives uh, behind the gang's actions. Uh, the gangs are doing the kidnappings and the violence just for money, I would say, because they need money to buy more firearms, they need money for ammunition. But also the fact that the situation in Haiti right now is is chaotic because uh, you don't have like a, an elected government. Uh, the national police is powerless. And us civilians, we're just here watching um, because we can do nothing and, and we are the victims. The national and really international media attention that has been given to what's going on with these kidnappings. A lot of people say uh, that it's because of the fact that these are not Haitians that are being uh, captured, that it is because it's uh, Americans and some Canadians that are the victims here and that they are not the Haitian people. Do you think there's any truth to that? Oh, definitely. That's 100 percent true, because um, kidnapping Haiti, we have that uh, we have kidnapping like every day. They kidnap Haitian nationals every day. But of course, the international medias and the U.S. media don't really talk about that because, of course, that's not news for them. That I don't understand that because I'm part of the media as well. But at the same time, right now, um, it gets the attention of the U.S. because uh, the U.S. is so involved with what's happening in Haiti right now. And especially after the assassination of uh, the, the, the late President Jovenel. And now to see... Uh, we had the U.S., we had the, the, the immigration problem at the borders, we have the deportation of Haitians, we have all that. And on top of that, you have uh, uh, American national 
getting uh, kidnapped in Haiti. So, of course, this is news. But at the same time, the reality of every Haitian is we face the kidnapping every day. We're seeing that some Haitians are just actually not even going to come outside of their homes. What does that say about the level of desperation that's going on uh, in, in the country right now? Of course, we have to admit that Haiti is a, is a poor country. No problem about that. It's fine. It's a fact. But at the same time, right now, most of Haitians want to leave Haiti not because of poverty. They want to leave because of insecurity, because you can't go out uh, uh, you know, to, to, to do your regular uh, business. You, you can't send your kids to school. Or if you do, you are so stressed and anxious because you never know what would happen to your child and to your life. And that's, that's the situation. And just imagine we live in a country where the president was supposed to be the most secured personality in the country were killed inside of his bedroom. So just imagine the regular Haitian. We are like, um, we, 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 are, we are hopeless and we're just waiting maybe a miracle or something to fix that problem. But that's the situation. And everyone, every Haitian, as long as you're here, you're not safe. And all we need definitely is safety right now. Carrell, we're also seeing, uh, you know, here in the States that there's protesters, uh, especially down in Miami, as it relates to the concerns over the Haitian immigration policies. Uh, at the same time, you know, the timing feels unfortunate because it's correlating, of course, with, you know, these kidnappings. What is your, your kind of advice on how to reconcile America's position on the Haiti uh, immigration system in light of these kidnappings? And should they even be conflated? Okay, the, the, the situation... Uh, with the uh, between the U.S. and Haiti is a long historical problem, you know. But at the same time, right now, I think uh, it's up to the U.S. to fix what's going on in the way that they deal with Haiti. It's, it's not really like the diplomatic relationship or political relationship. Too more, too often, the the, the U.S. Uh, intervene in what's happening in Haiti in a political level. You know, they're, they're here when there's elections, they're here when they're, we have uh, our political troubles and they're, they're, they think that they can dictate Haitians what to do uh, for, for our future and things like that. So the U.S. is too involved, in my opinion, but at the same time, the U.S. needs to know that if they really want to help Haitians, they need to let Haitians decide what the future should look like. Of course, if they're friends of Haiti, they want to help, they want to support. It's up to them to support because we definitely need all the support we can get. But at the same time, we don't need any nation, the U.S., France, Canada, to come here and test us what to do. And I think that's really the, 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 the best way for, for the U.S. to fix the relationship with Haiti. Say, hey, you know what? We can help. We have maybe the resources. What do you need? How can we help? Of course, we're going to help in good terms and make sure that, you know, U.S. foreign policies can brag about what they're doing in Haiti while they're letting Haitians do what's best for Haitians. Carell, thank you so much for your time. Ahead, it's another edition of Revolt Stand Up for Series, where co-founder of the Aunties and multi-hyphenate Tiana Taylor talks being black in the workplace. But up next, Tally Berry's going to pack a punch in her directorial debut. Also, Ava DuVernay, is she getting into the Shiro business for DC? Naima Abdullahi breaks it all down in this week's Entertainment Roundup. That's all coming up when Revolt Black News Weekly continues.
Sorry, that's another B. Haters still ain't recover from the other B. Mm. You want to fight or run? I know you'd like to run. That's all I wish you did. I'm offering you a second chance. You gonna take it? That's Halle Berry putting in the work and taking matters to the mat in the new Netflix movie, Bruised, which she not only stars in, she also directed the film, which starts streaming this Thanksgiving. All right, welcome back to Revolt Black News Weekly. I'm Ebony K. Williams. It's time to check out some of the entertainment headlines. Our special correspondent, Naima Abdullahi, has all the details. Hey, Naima. Hey there, Ebony. Let's kick things off with Jay-Z putting his money where his mouth is when it comes to social justice. Then Ava DuVernay is talking about race and her recent collaboration with Colin Kaepernick and the Queen Eve actress, entrepreneur, artist, sharing with us two reasons why she's happy. All that in this week's Entertainment Roundup. Queen shit, I'm the baddest dream. Supreme chick you want to be seen with. Hip-hop's OG of female rappers, Eve, backdropping tracks, but this time under the name Professor Sex. That's the rap name of Eve's character on ABC's latest series. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Queens, which depicts the comeback story of a fictional hip-hop group. The dumbest thing we ever did was throw away friendships that most people never have. Let's get this group back together. Eve co-stars alongside Brandy, Notori Naughton, Nadine Velasquez in this music-driven series, Queens, which airs Tuesdays on ABC. But Queens isn't Eve's only new baby. Congratulations are in order as the MC recently took to Instagram to show off her growing baby bump with husband Maximilian Cooper. Growing up with white parents, I assumed their privilege was mine. You too good? Okay. Fine, thanks. Yeah, I'm good too. Thanks. I was in for a rude awakening. In another new series from Netflix, Colin in Black and White takes viewers into the intimate world of athlete-turned-activist Colin Kaepernick and his journey to becoming one of the most influential figures in modern-day sports. I sat down with director Ava DuVernay, who opened up about the many layers of this series. As I started to listen to his stories about his childhood, his, his young adulthood, his teenage years, I started to hear all of this, this really beautiful information about microaggressions and othering and privilege and access and all the things that I really love to delve into in my work. Some people think it's a doc. It's not a doc. Some people think it's just a coming-of-age story. It's not that either. It's something else that, uh, that, that I'm really um, excited about sharing. Duvernay then went on to make an important comparison to another sports legend. When you think about Tommy Smith, you know, he didn't just sacrifice his career. I mean, he was putting his life on the line with what he did during a very violent time for black men who stood up. And so when you look at Colin, when you look at Naomi Osaka, when you look at Simone Biles, when you look at some of these athletes who are saying, no, you know, I'm going to be myself within this box and I'm going to break out of it. Um, I can do nothing more than applaud them and salute them and try to amplify them. And that's part of what we wanted to do here. Colin in Black and White begins streaming on Netflix on Friday, October 29th. I'm playing an actual uh, person that is, is, is part of our history. 
Regina King giving us fashion and peeling back the pages of history. She joined her co-stars on the Hollywood red carpet for the premiere of the Netflix Wild West thriller, The Harder They Fall. Jay-Z, who gave a big thumbs up at the premiere, posed with music maker Seal, Swiss Beats, and director James Samuel. Hove is a producer on the film about a band of bandits causing havoc in the West. Some other big names on the red carpet, Mr. Carter's in-laws, Tina Knowles and Richard Lawson. So is Tiffany Haddish and Taraji P. Henson. And there's a lot more in entertainment to discuss, so let's get right into it. Joining me this week for the discussion is Danny Canada, entertainment reporter for Bossup, along with Ray Cornelius, who is an Atlanta radio personality and DJ. Danny, let's stay on the subject of Jay-Z. He's known for laying the blueprint, all pun intended. In addition to that, he has the receipts to prove it. Jay-Z collaborated with activists and attorneys to raise a million dollars for the Innocence Project. And also in 2018, his, his record label, Rock Nation started a new division called Team Rock. And what Team Rock did was it provided resources for families to get justice and also provided pro bono services for families who can't afford attorneys. When we look at what he's been able to implement with Team Rock, how can that kind of model be used within the culture and within the industry? Well, you know, first of all, shout out to Team Rock for everything that they have been doing. It has been inspiring to see not only this most recent work that they did, but also what they did back with Parchman Prison in Mississippi when they filed uh, a legal action on behalf of inmates there. And also a big shout out to Yo Gotti, who surprisingly to some people has been kind of at the helm of all this. So one thing I would love to see Team Rock do is to implement more of the Rock Nation artists into this. You know, Yo Gotti's doing an amazing job, but it'd be great to see some of the other artists do this as well for their specific cities like Big Sean, Fabulous. So it's been really great to see their philanthropic work. And I think this is kind of just the tip of the iceberg for them. And staying on the subject of the blueprint, black culture has laid the blueprint for all things pop culture, direct correlation between the two. And there's a conversation that has been surfacing on social media recently about black fishing. Um, Nicki Minaj used her platform to help facilitate that conversation with an artist who was accused of black fishing, uh, singer Jesse Nelson. Nicki Minaj on the record say, I support you. And she also brought up an interesting conversation about how people have, quote, fake selective outrage. Ray, let's talk about that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I think, and I actually had an opportunity to uh, watch the video. I think what this does is it allows us to have this conversation that we're having right now, to be able to talk about this issue, to be able to talk about the fact that black culture is not for sale. I think so many of us have seen over the years our image, the way that we dress, the way that we talk, the way that we do our hair is being done by everyone else, is being celebrated by, every, by everyone else. But when we're looking at the final product, we realize that it's not black, a real black person or it's not real black people. You know, it's interesting. There are artists who have people like Nicki Minaj to stick up for them and to say that, well, this isn't black fishing. She's just celebrating the culture. If you're upset about it, you're a hater, you're being a clown. When all actuality, it is literally just that. You cannot say that you love black culture and don't appreciate black people. And you get the opportunity to take off your black costume that you're using in your video to regurgitate black stereotypes, when in fact there are black artists who cannot do the same thing. So it's completely unfair. Um, and I think that's a valid point there. Like, you have to know that this is a problem. And going back to what you said, Ray, yes, this is an, a difficult conversation, but 
the responsibility lies on someone who is her peer, i.e. Nicki Minaj. That was an opportunity for Nicki to say, you know what, girl, you probably put on a little too much spray tan today. You know what, this direction, this video isn't quite right. It's probably not gonna land correctly. And that should have been done behind the scenes. Danny and Ray, thank you guys so much for joining us on this discussion about social justice, about the music business industry, along with Black identity. We appreciate you for your time. Coming up, in the midst of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we're really gonna look into this conversation about its growing impact on Black women when we return. When we were younger, no one told us anything. No one, no woman in our household spoke about a mammogram or breast cancer. It's just one of your family members just ups and dies and, and that's it. But I believe that if they had this information, they would be alive today. That was Mary J. Blige sharing her experience in The Root and really reinforcing the importance of getting proper health care, this after losing her beloved aunt to breast cancer. I'm special correspondent Naima Abdullahi facilitating an important conversation during Breast Cancer Awareness Month and how it disproportionately impacts Black women at an alarming rate. According to the CDC, Black women are 40% more likely to die from breast cancer than white women and two times more likely when they're over the age of 50. To really delve into this conversation and to go beyond the numbers, we have an important panel lined up, not only advocates, but survivors. Ricky Fairley, Shonda Sabari, and Dr. April Spencer at the Global Breast Health and Wellness Center. Dr. Spencer, let's start with you. When we look at the proportion and the numbers and the statistics about Black women and how they're impacted by breast cancer, what do you think are the leading factors that contribute to the data? It's multifactorial, Nima, but I'm so glad you asked that question, um, which means there are many things that are contributing to this increase in breast cancer, specifically in African-American women 40 and under. Very unique group in that this is the one group where we see a higher incidence or rate of new cases than any other demographic. Many African-American women have ambition addiction. We are the most educated demographic in the United States. But with that ambition addiction, oftentimes comes the detriment of our mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. And breast cancer is not exempt from that. Ricky, you're really working hard to raise awareness and to have advocacy that unites Black women and to uh, really have more inclusive clinical trials. Tell me about this mission. What void does it really serve that you've been able to see within our own communities over the years? Um, I'm starting a movement called Black Data Matters to get more Black women into clinical trial research. For example, the drugs that are available right now are not working on our bodies. We have a 42% higher mortality rate than white women. Breast cancer patients like, like me have a 71% higher risk of death. We have a 39% higher risk of recurrence. And black women under the age of 35 get breast cancer at twice the rate and die at three times the rate. These devastating mortality numbers can only be changed by better drugs. Right now, we don't really know if the drugs work for our bodies. And frankly, the, the, the standard of care drugs didn't work for my body. I had to take experimental drugs to save myself. There's a lot of fear about clinical trials, and but I say, you know, we as black women, we're all powerhouse, badass women that take care of everybody. So if you're afraid of clinical trials, do it for somebody else, do it for your daughter. Who needs an alarm in the morning 
when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's look into the misconceptions a little bit more. Shonda, let's talk about the misconception that age is a huge factor in when someone is likely to get breast cancer. Um, a lot of people say, well, I have to be a certain age. Tell us about that misconception and how we can dispel it in our communities. Being diagnosed at 36 years old, thankfully, it was caught early. Um, so it's very important to get out um, you know, the fact that it, regardless of how old you are, you still need to check your breasts, do self-breast exams, know your family history. If something's not right, talk with your uh, physician about it because you can be uh, you know, a teenager, you can be in your early 20s, 30s, 40s, age does not matter when it comes to breast cancer or any type of cancer. The two factors that we're dealing with in society in the midst of the pandemic is the lockdown. Um, and one question I wanna ask you ladies and how it impacted people is, do you think being in the pandemic and being in lockdown, being in isolation made people more aware of getting more proactive getting screenings and getting checkups, what do you think, how do you think it attributed to the numbers and the data that we've seen in 2020, as far as how many people um, were aware of what their symptoms are, what their health status is? Ricky, do you want to chime in on that? Sure, we are clearly seeing the impact of the, of the pandemic now because the tumors that are being diagnosed are bigger and more aggressive than we saw before. I mean, they were bad enough already, but a lot of women chose not to engage in mammography and get their checkups during the pandemic. And now the outcome of that is bigger tumors, more severe disease, and most likely more deaths. One of the factors, you know, we have dense breasts and um, we tend to have more dense breasts and that gives us a three to, time, three to four times more likely likelihood to get breast cancer. And the way to, to check for that is to get a 3D mammogram. So a lot of places, you know, I implore everybody to go to a facility that only gives 3D mammograms and that way your insurance will cover it. But it's so important to get those checkups. Let's go further into this conversation in regards to access, opportunity, and resources, which are some things that separate us in society. Back in 2007, ABC's Good Morning America host, Robin Roberts, uh, began advocating for fair medical practices after discovering a lump in her breast and struggling with doctors to make a timely appointment to receive an appointment. What advice do you have for women who you know, may not have as much access as her, but who may have the same hardship as her when it comes to locking in an appointment. What is your advice for women out there? That's a wonderful question, and that's been a part of the conversation we've have been having uh, more so now than ever because of COVID. There has been even more limited access, and that a lot of imaging centers and clinics have limited avail availability, limited hours. Be your own advocate. Get a second or third pain if you have to, and seek out multiple facilities that will give you the most. Um, uh, immediate availability so that you can uh, be seen as soon as possible. Ricky, Shonda, thank you for sharing your personal journey of overcoming the trials and tribulations and what advocacy means, what awareness means also to Dr. April Spencer for really bringing context behind those numbers. We appreciate this important discussion. If there is a woman currently watching this broadcast right now, if there's anything you gain from this conversation, call your doctor, make an appointment. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us. Up next, the boss ladies of the Revolt Stand Up go head-to-head -to, -head to talk it out. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Revolt Black News Weekly. Now we're continuing Revolt's Stand Up For series. And this week we had our special sit down about being black in the workplace. Joining us was Coco Gilbert and the one and only Tiana Taylor. Our being correspondent Gia Peppers went face to face with the ladies. Gia, take it away. What's up, everybody? It's Gia Peppers here with another edition of Revolt's Stand Up For series brought to you by State Farm. Today, we're covering a very important topic, being Black in the workplace, because it's long overdue that our people have fair and equitable spaces for hiring, career cultivation, and upward ascension. We've all seen the hashtags and increasing diversity initiatives on our timelines, but for State Farm, diversity and inclusion are not just words. They're verbs and they're genuinely a part of how they do business in their organization. All associates are treated with respect and dignity across the marketplace. And they support their customers and suppliers in the community through charitable giving and community service. All right, so let's get to our amazing guests because I am so excited. They are most certainly about that black in the workplace life with their production company, The Aunties. We've got the co-founders right here with us, Courtney Gilbert, an incredible dancer, creative director, mommy, and producer. And also with us is the multi-talented recording artist, model, mommy, wife, all the things, okay, Tiana Taylor. Okay, everyone. Hi, I'm Gia Peppers, and you are here listening and looking at and being here at the Aunties Production Studio for a new episode of State Farm's Stand Up For series. And I am with the aunties. Tiana and Coco are here today. They are creatives. One is was a dancer. One was, we don't need an introduction, but singer, actress, choreographer, all things. And now they have come together to form a production studio that is all about taking up space for black creatives. And so we're here today in the center of the black creativity at the Aunties Production Studio to talk about all of the things they have going on, what they want to see for black people in the workspace, especially, and what's going to happen in the future with the aunties. How are you guys doing? We're good. How are you, boo? I'm good. Well, can I start with Superwoman here? Because <laughs> you just had a whole baby. And you're ago. back on set. I can't take full credit for okay. that. OK. What you mean you can't take full credit? I learned from Superwoman number one. Mm. She pushed out two on the floor. And okay. it was like, okay, yeah. let's shoot tomorrow. I said, what, yeah. what? Yeah. Why do you feel it's so necessary to get back to work immediately? Like, why wasn't? Because it's so necessary to get back to work immediately. You feel me? Like, nothing. It don't stop. I mean, you got to think about it. We in an industry where it was one point in time where it was like, Almost like being pregnant was a burden. Yeah. yeah. You know, to, to the outside world. It's like, oh my God, how are you gonna da 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 da? Are you gonna keep this a secret? Oh, you're married, blah, blah, blah. You know, like to watch artists go through that. Yeah. It's just like, how do we how do we break that? Yeah. How do we break that cycle? Mm -hmm. Cause guess what? We gonna keep getting to the coin, we're gonna keep getting to the bag, cause ain't nobody else gonna get to it for us. So now you guys have the aunties, which I think Y'all have done such incredible projects already with your different collaborations, your launches, all of the different companies. With <laughs> Y'all can Google it. We can't talk about it all uh, here. But I think there's so much that you guys have done already, and it's such a young company. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about the, the one of those last straw experiences on set that made you know you had to create your own production company. We got told no a lot. Mm -hmm. So I was like, no, what do you mean no? You know, we just got tired of the label telling us no. Like, we'll get all excited about these ideas. We'll have rehearsals. We'll be like, oh, yeah, we got to shoot this video. 
and we about to have this in it, we about to have that in it. And then it's like, oh yeah, they didn't clear your budget or mm. you did, they didn't do this or they didn't do that. So we started doing our own stuff. Mm. You know, it's just like, cool, if it's gonna cost $300, let's figure it out. There are so many mothers and young women who are afraid to pivot. They're in that space right now where they're like, I am an accountant but I want to be a creative, and they don't know what to do, and they're afraid. They so what do you want? Yeah, I'm her crazy friend. You need a crazy friend, that's it. You need it. a crazy friend. friend. But I feel yeah. like a lot of people get complacent. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm not gonna do it because- I'm scared. I'm scared, or yeah. I'm this, or I'm that, and it's like, you know, if you're gonna do it, just do it, mm. you know? You have to have some action. Like, what are we doing? We can't sit here all day, we can't sit, I can't sit at a desk all day. You guys have created now a safe space for not only black women, but black creatives, yes. black people, mm -hmm. everyone in general, like you said, can yes. come to this auntie's production studio yes. and make their dreams a reality. What does being black in the workplace mean to you? I think it's important to create a safe space for, you know, for us, yeah. because there is no safe space for us. We can't even go to the store. We can't even get no Skittles. Mm. We can't even walk home. You get what I'm saying? So let alone, you think they about to just let us create without it being a catch? Let us create without, once we create, oh, thank you. Now you can go back to the back burner and, okay. you know. You don't get no equity, no get, back end. Just, it's no. giving Cruella mother. Mm, you feel yes. me? It's giving, you know? So it's just like our job is to, and to also like, save our people from the streets Jeez. because they get turned to the streets when a family don't agree with what they got going on and don't believe in their dreams. So we're like the aunties, you know? You know, everybody got that favorite auntie. Yes. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's. I be tripping, man. You feel me? And and that's what it is for us. And we we are very nurturing. And and that's even like how the name came up. We would we yeah. would we always call ourselves aunts. Like auntie, okay, auntie, okay, because we act like aunties. We be gossiping like aunties. You feel the wine? Yeah, like oh baby, go on, get to go on, go go and get auntie a little juice, something like that's how we are. But I also noticed that a lot of Young folks love being around us. A lot of young creatives, creatives in general, love yeah. being around us because we were nurturing yeah. and made them feel like, yo, nobody, everybody think I'm weird for doing this, that, and the third. So for us, it's like, we are like a universal charger. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, we are a healing stone. We are, you know, called the auntie stone. We gotta create our own stone. But yeah, anyway, you know, it's that's what it is. You know, people come and we take them in and it's just like, create. Yeah. What do you need to create? You feel what I'm saying? And it's We're not even... It. Exactly. Like, what do you need? Because mm. we'll you talk. look out for me, I'll look out for you. Period. Take care of me, I'm going to take care of you even better. That's just how we are. We got such big hearts. And like I said, you know, me coming from being an underdog and her coming from being an underdog, you we know, understand. that's all we know, you know? So this is really open up a world, not just for our own people, but for our people who don't have the works. Yes. You know, who don't have the works, who's not signed with the biggest agencies, who don't, you know, da, 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 like for the underdogs, you know what I'm saying? The people that have a vision, we want to get out people's dreams. I remember. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of State Farm Stand Up For. You have been with the Aunties, yes. Tiana and Coco, and I'm Gia Peppers. We'll see you next time.
And yo, State Farm, give me a discount on my insurance, B. Period, y'all. <laughs> Courtney and Tiana, thank you so much for joining me. We are all so proud of the work you are doing with the Auntie's Production Company, and we're so excited to see what you do in the future. You are doing more than just pushing the culture forward. You are creating spaces, safe spaces, for Black people to work and show up in their true, authentic selves, especially Black women, because we really need it. Whether we're at work or at the grocery store, every part of us deserves to be celebrated, seen, and amplified. So shout out to all the women who are doing that very thing right now. Now, before we go, we want to pay tribute to General Colin L. Powell. He passed away this week due to a compromised immune system and COVID-19 complications. Powell was born in New York City, Harlem to be exact, and raised in the Bronx to Jamaican immigrant parents. After receiving his education at the City College of New York, Brother Powell served 35 years in the U.S. Army, where he was a four-star general. After his service and multiple tours abroad, Powell went into politics, where he became the first black secretary of state. He was also the 65th to serve in the position under President George W. Bush. A historied Republican throughout the Reagan administrations, Powell famously crossed party lines when he endorsed then-presidential and Democratic candidate Barack Obama in the 2008 general election. Post-politics, Colin Powell became a decorated civilian as well, receiving the Presidential Medal of Freedom twice, being one of only two people with that accomplishment. Powell is survived by his wife, Alma, and their three children, Michael, Linda, and Anne-Marie. General Colin L. Powell was 84 years old. Rest in power and peace. All right, that's going to do it for us here for Revolt Black News Weekly. I'm Ebony K. Williams. See you next time. an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.